This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's Word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's Word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Genesis chapter 25, starting with verse 22, and we're dealing with Esau and Jacob. They are going to be born, and uh, Rebecca is pregnant with them. We want to get deep into this. What we have is a story this morning, and that story is a story of two brothers, and it's an important story for us to study. It's important for a lot of reasons. It's both important for social very personal, very reason, and it's also a study for a spiritual reason because Esau and Jacob deal with the blessings of God. They are the story of how do we walk in the blessings of God, how do we receive the blessings of God, how do we how do we value the blessings of God. I think that's probably one of the most important things that you can see from this is how do we value the blessings of God. And let's go into it. It says, but the children struggled together within her. And this is verse 22. What it's saying here is that when she was, when Rebecca was pregnant, that she had two sons inside of her and they were struggling. Now, when they come out, they're going to be, they're going to be maternal twins. What does that mean? They're going to, they're going to be, they're going to look different. They're not going to be the same genetic material. They're going to be two eggs that were, that were used in, in, in the process rather than maternal eggs where you have one egg and then that egg splits into two. This is a, this is the paternal process process where you have two eggs in the womb and they both become children and that's what's happening here that's what the story is about as with twins always are they grow up together and they have they have a bond that's very special they're treated a lot of times the very same way and they go through together and so they're always something about that relationship that is different and unique even from other relationships that we might have with brothers and sisters and siblings as we get older these two had that type of relationship they they they're going to have a love-hate relationship. And the reason there's conflict all the time is because uh, they oftentimes get treated the same and they're, and they're not treated as two unique and different human beings. And, and in this story, you're going to see that there, there couldn't have been two more unique and different human beings. There couldn't have been uh, two more unique and different people uh, in this story other than Jacob and Esau. Jacob is going to be more of the person who likes to stay home, who likes to hang around with the family. He's a relational person. He's a person who, who has a close tie to his mother. And then you're going to have Esau, who's the outdoorsy type. He's the hunter. He's the fisherman. He's the guy who goes out and, and brings in the kill for the meal each night. He's very close to his father, and they are two totally different people. And it's important when you're in the Bible and when you're studying God's Word that you see that God is showing you things through this. And the interpersonal relationships that we have in this life have a picture or a picture of our relationships with God. He's given those things. In fact, He created those things 
to mirror some of the relationships we have in the kingdom. And we're going to have brothers and sisters in Christ, in the body of Christ. And we're going to have, obviously, our brother Jesus died for our sins. He's the firstborn of many brethren. And we need to understand the dynamics of those relationships. We need to understand the dynamics of our relationships with our parents, our relationships with our spouse, our relationship with our children, because understanding you can misstep, and especially in Scripture, because Scripture gives us so many pictures of this, how you can make missteps in raising your children that you don't have to make. Some people learn by observation, and then some people learn by... flying through the windshield at the crash. That's what they, That's how they learn. Some people can't learn unless something just tears slap up. And that's a southern term, by the way. They just can't learn unless something just tears to pieces. And then they figure out, uh-oh, I better not be doing it that way. Oh, And some people learn by watching other people and going, oh, I do not want to go through that. And so those are two totally different ways of dealing with with life and relationships. What we see in this story is that the children struggle within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? What she's basically saying is these kids are fighting inside of me. And she didn't know there were two of them. She just thought there was one. And she she probably thought the Incredible Hulk was inside of her trying to fight his way out. And she wanted to, she probably wanted to to end that quickly and get it over with. But apparently there were twins inside of her and those twins inside of her were fighting. They were fighting all the time. And if you've got little children, you know what it's like. They, you can't separate them because they always want to play together. And while they're playing together, you can't keep them from fighting. They just going to fight all the time. And it's a battle. And you need to understand this. It's a battle of wheels. It's a battle of wills. They're trying to assert their will over the other person. It's a part of their sin nature in all actuality. It is so easy for us to want to manipulate, want to intimidate, want to force other people to fall in line with our own personal will in this world. And let me say this about that. That is so devastating. It's so devastating for friends. It's so devastating for churches. It's so devastating for relationships with siblings. And it can become very devastating in your relationship with your children. You need to understand that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, devil thought that when he tempted them to sin, that they were choosing his will over God's will. And the truth is, they were agreeing with him in that they were eating of the fruit, and he was asking or he was trying to, he tricked them into eating of the fruit. He told them a lie. He said, you will be as God, and he was, they thought he meant that they will be exactly like God, and because they loved God, they wanted to be like him, and he was saying, you'll be like God in that you'll know good and evil. And that was not for the purpose that they had. And you go, if they got tricked, why was it bad? They didn't get tricked out of doing something they knew not to, that they didn't know not to do. They got tricked into doing something that they knew not to do. They knew what they were doing. They knew that was against God's will. They knew that was against God's plan. And they chose to do. That was a choice that they made. And in making that choice, they, they ended up destroying their own lives and the lives of the people around them, ultimately, throughout humanity. And in the Garden of Eden, they ch- made that choice of not choosing God's will, but they chose their own will. And that's the key. Satan thought they were choosing his will, but they weren't. 
They were choosing their own will. So rather than there being two wills in the universe, the will of God and the will of Lucifer, now when Adam and Eve sinned, there was the will of Adam, Eve, Lucifer, and God. And then when Cain came along, there was the will of Cain. And when Abel came along, there was the will of Abel. And now we've had thousands and thousands and thousands of children, millions and billions of us, of wills out there that have been born into the world. And those... Uh, those being born into the world are important. And it's important to understand that other people have their own will. And the way you help people choose the best for their life is not by intimidation. It's not by manipulation. It's not by trying to force it upon someone else. What The way you help people choose the right will is you wait for the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one who is best equipped. He's the one who is always the most equipped to work on somebody's heart and somebody's mind and change them to his will. And so you say, How do I, what, I, what is my role in it? My role, your role in it is to watch and to see the Holy Spirit at work in somebody's life. And when he is, you step in and add your truth, the truth that God has given you, and help them along. And as they're beginning to try to seek after God's will and lay their own will aside, which is the process of salvation, it is the sanctification process that God has us in, when that happens, then you can be effective in making a difference in somebody else's life. But just telling somebody something and saying, I just told them the truth, that's not always, that is not always going to be effective. And in fact, it may not even be the truth. It might just be a set of facts that you want to say to make yourself feel good. And that's not the truth. The truth also involves love. You can't have love without the truth, and you can't have truth without love. And those two things are inseparable, and they can't be, can't be removed one way or the other. And so you need to get that. You need to understand that. Truth must involve love, and love can't involve the truth. You don't need to just tell somebody what they want to hear because that's not being loving toward them either. And these two babies, they're struggling in the womb. And let me tell you something, that struggle is going to be a lifelong struggle. It's going to be a continual struggle. And we're going to learn a lot from that struggle. We're going to learn a lot about our siblings and we're going to learn a lot about our own will and God's will for us. And so he says, so she went to inquire of the Lord. And notice what God said to her. God said to her, look, you, you feel like you're about to explode because the incredible hulk's inside of you. But it's not one baby, it's two babies. He said, two nations are in your womb. And they were. There were two nations. Esau would be the father of the Moabites. And, and obviously, Isaac's going to be the father. He's, his name is, Jacob's name is going to be Israel. He's going to be changed and he's going, he's going to be the father of Israel. He is Israel. And he says, two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. And notice, God tells her early on what his plan is. Now, in telling her his plan, you're going to see her try to manipulate that plan to take place. And I think you're going to, it's a very important as we're story that mothers learn something from this. Because mothers, because you are, you are women and you are excellent with your words, and the average female vocabulary in any culture in the world is twice that of the average male 
vocabulary. They usually speak twice as many words during the day. They, on average, know twice as many words in their vocabulary. They understand twice as many words, actual words like in the English language or the Spanish language or whatever. They actually know more words and they use them better and more accurately. It, it, they are excellent with those things and they use them not only as a tool for communication and a tool for dealing with situations, they can be used as a tool for manipulation and a tool to get your will and your way done. And I'm going to say this to you, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he shall not depart from it. But when you are training them up, it does not say train, it does not say manipulate them up in the way they should go. It says train them up, which means that you teach them and you allow them to begin to figure out what their life is supposed to be and, their, and what God's will is for them. And remember, it's hard to live your life in your own will. And it's, it's very difficult because your will always is destructive for your very best. And so we have introduced into our lives God's will. So we have our will and we have God's will. And God's will is for our best. He not only loves us more than anybody loves us, including ourselves. He knows us better than anybody knows us, including ourselves. And his will is for our very, very best. And understanding that his will is for our very, very best is very important. Now, when you add in mother and maybe even father and their will, and they're trying to force that will upon you, it can cause a person to go nuts, okay? You got all these voices in your head messing with you. And you got all these voices in your head trying to manipulate you to do what they want you to do. And then if you had grandmama and granddaddy or if you had aunt and uncle or somebody else or even a sibling in, into the mix, then all of a sudden you have multiple voices in your head trying to tell you what you should do. And you sometimes struggle with finding out what God's will is because everybody's trying to manipulate, cajole, intimidate, force you to do what they think is best for you and your will and your will is subjugated to everybody. That's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. He tells her that she's going to have two children and those children children are going to be father of two nations and one will be stronger than the other, meaning the older brother is going to be stronger than the younger brother, but the older shall serve the younger. And she is going to, in some ways, try to manipulate this into place rather than allowing God's plan to work into place. Just because you see God's plan at work in somebody's life doesn't mean that it's your job to manipulate them into doing it. Just because I see that my daughter should do this or do that doesn't mean that I need to manipulate them into it. I try to, and I'm not very great good at it, and sometimes I can be very intimidating because I'm a big old boy. That's a southern term. I'm a big old boy. I'm six foot four and coming down to 270 from 320. I was a big man when my children were growing up, and I at times I realized I was intimidating them to do what I wanted rather than trying to help them find what was best for them and find God's will for them. And at times I can still do that. But I will say this, it's important for you to help your children see the plan of God at work in their lives, but you can't manipulate them into the plan God has for their lives. Uh, and it says in verse 24, so when her days were fulfilled, meaning she ripened, meaning it was time to have them babies. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, and he was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. 
So he was, he was, I guess the best way is Esau was Irish before there was Irish. Maybe they were Irish. I don't know. Anyway, he said he was red all over and he's a red hairy baby and he's going to be a man of the woods and a man, a man's man. And that's who he was. He's hairy all over. By the way, when I was born, I was several weeks late. My mother's doctor didn't want to induce back then. He thought that was bad for the baby. And when I was born, I was 27 inches long. And I'm told that I had hair from the top of my head all the way to the bottom of my feet, all the way down the back, my back, and that I look like a spider monkey. And I'm going to say that I can identify with old Esau here. He was red all over. I was, I had dark hair all over and, and he was a man's man who he was. And then it says afterwards, his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. Notice they're struggling in the womb and they're also struggling to be the firstborn because the firstborn has a, the firstborn has a special blessing in their culture and also in biblical culture in the sense of when you have children, let's say you have 12 children and the inheritance comes down, there's going to be 13 parts to that inheritance. The inheritance is going to be split 13 ways, biblically speaking, and I'm not saying this is the way you should do, but biblically speaking, the way it was set up for Israel is that they had 13 parts and the oldest got two of the parts. He would get two out of 13 and all the other children would get one out of 13. And that was a stand that was in, in scripture. And it says that Esau came out, but, but his brother Jacob, he had a hold of his heel. He was trying to fight his way out first too. So his name was called Jacob and Jacob means thief and liar. And that, that is important for you to understand because as we get later on, in, in, in the story, you're going to see that, that the story of Esau and Jacob center around, and especially for Jacob, centers around his character trait of being deceitful and trying to manipulate things the way he wants them to be. And he's going to learn that from his mother. And let me say this as we get to the end of the Bible study. Remember, Rebecca, Rebecca represents the church. And she is a picture of the church in the New Testament. And one of Rebecca's defining qualities in her life, other than she being uh, a woman of virtue, other than be her being beautiful, other than her being a woman that is blessed, is that she is a manipulator. And she's going to be a manipulator throughout this story. And I think it's very important that you see as church history has gone on, the church as an institution many times has been manipulators. We, that we have manipulated rather than given people God's word and urged them to chase after God's will for themselves. We've told them what to do rather than pointed in the direction of Jesus and allowed Jesus to show them how to be. And uh, the church has, has in many ways had its worst years, its worst times, its worst seasons in its seasons of manipulation. We are light to the world. We're not forcing the world to open its eyes. The world has to open its eyes to its to the light itself. We're to walk around seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance when we're dealing with people and not manipulating them into what God has for them, but showing them the opportunities and the possibilities as we see them and allowing them to choose those possibilities. And let me say this, if you're dealing with your children or you're dealing with friends or you're dealing with other family members and you are always trying to manipulate them into what you think God has for them, eventually they're going to cast you aside because they're going to figure out how to walk in God's will on their own and they don't need you to manipulate them into it. And by the way, 
Manipulation is born of selfishness. And I can say this about the church. The church has been selfish. And the church as an institution has been selfish. And I, as a pastor, have been selfish before. It's the natural state of man. And it is an issue for the church. The church needs to be about equipping. The church needs to be about encouraging. The church needs to be about building the kingdom of God. But we do not build it by manipulation. God does not manipulate us. He does not manipulate us. He provides us a way, and he gives us the opportunity to walk in it. But we've got to walk in it by faith on our own. And so also do our friends and our family members, and especially our children. They need to learn how to walk in God's will on their own. And that's a great lesson to be learned from this story as we move on into Isaac and Jacob, and especially Esau and Jacob, and their mo mother, Rebecca, and their father, Isaac, and how they live life together and how they deal with things together. We're going to learn a lot of lessons about life and about relationships and about family as we go through this Bible study. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.